Welcome to another episode of Married to Growth, in which I'm married to Perry, Perry's married to me, and we are both growing businesses and a marriage together. Hi. And lives. And lives. What? We're not growing lives. No, we're not. I'm not pregnant. <laughs> this is facts. Yeah. Um, hi, honey. It's a rainy day. It is very rainy, and we just got done shooting some videos in your office for the gram. Do it for the gram. Yep, some short-form videos for my Instagram. If you follow me, it's Aletha Champagne on Instagram. Um, I do a little, you know, kind of snarky sometimes videos about just the market and, you know, real estate, interior design, things I love, things I hate, um, things that make me go, hmm. And yeah, we haven't shot some in a while, so we were doing that. And um, it's just kind of a, we'll probably run to Costco after this. I don't know. You know, we'll see. Just um, like our first date. Just like that was our first date at Costco. If you listen to episode one, I think we touched on that. But it's a rainy day, which means it's a really good day to curl up with a good book. So I thought it would be enjoyable to record an episode about our favorite kind of business development and personal growth books. Um, because I think if you are somebody that's interested in you know personal development or entrepreneurship or, you know, just being better, you're most likely here listening to podcasts um obviously you're listening to podcasts if you're here listening and um books i think i i would say i've i've consumed quite a few and i've got a top three um and i think perry has some as well what are your what's your top what's your number one holy shit this changed my life or the way i think or the way i do business book Oh my goodness. I don't know if I have any, if you frame it that way. Oh, I don't know if I've read, read, ever read a book and be like, this changed my life. Oh, I definitely have one. Um, I mean, I've read books and it's changed pieces of my business and how I do things, yeah. but I don't think I've never, I don't think I've ever read one that's like shocked me into a new reality. As far as a business owner. Yeah. I mean, there's so many and none of these ones are on my list, but like the e-myth about entrepreneurship and, and whatnot. And then like profit first changed my accounting. And, you know, there's just like all these little one-off ones that impacted some area of my business, but never like grand scale. Mm, mm -hmm. But what are your, so what's your big one or should we finish with the big one? Do you want to like, no, I can, I mean, I think if it weren't for Brene Brown, Oh. I, we would not be here today. I mean, I would be here. I'd probably just be, I don't know what, I'd probably still nannying. I'd probably have the Sunday scaries, quite frankly, if I had, if it had not been for Brene Brown. I read um, Daring Greatly, which is definitely, I mean, I wrote my top list of top three, but actually under number two, it just says Brene. Um, Daring Greatly was like the personal one that basically gave me the swift kick in the ass on top of, you know, that in alongside Gary V was just like, okay, I need to just dare greatly and mm -hmm. jump into what I want to do with my life and, um, lean into vulnerability. So that one really pushed, I think 
the mindset or erased the mindset a little bit on the fact that like being vulnerable is a weakness. And that pushed me into kind of, you know, letting down some walls, therapy, setting goals, because to me, the vulnerability of failure was so terrifying. I just wouldn't try. Um, yeah. So I would say hands down, Brene Brown changed my life. That was that was the book that, and it's not even a business book. It's more personal development, but as a business owner, you are in a place of vulnerability every single day. And so I think that for me, it was just like, once I got really comfortable being uncomfortable and feeling vulnerable, I felt so alive that it being a business owner just made so much sense. Um, So that was my, that's my big one. I mean, it's a good one. D- daring greatly so, mm-hmm. so that's the one that you're officially recommending of her books yes there's also daring to lead which is um if you're a business owner and and leading or i mean you don't have to be a business owner if you're in any sort of leadership um position even i think even if you're a parent or a spouse you're leading somebody in some yeah. way um and that was that that came out a little bit after Daring Greatly. I actually had a one of my best friend, um, Alex. If she's listening, she should be because you know she's my best friend. Um, Better have also given us a five star review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, she just had known my whole life. I had like walls up and a fear of vulnerability, and she's a therapist, so she was like, "Hey, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, read this." And then, so I read that, but then when Daring um, to Lead came out, I I quick added that to my Audible. To be clear, when I am reading books, I am listening to them and consuming them. There are a few that I will have in print so I can write notes and margins, Um, but for the most part, they're audiobooks. I just want to clear that up. Yeah. Almost all of mine are too. There's a couple books that aren't in audiobook format. That I have the physical copies of the book. I mean, I'm sitting in front of a copy of Psychology of Money, which I have consumed physically, and um, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller, the you know the man, the myth, the legend, which I have also consumed physically, and I think has like tabs in it because I built my business around that one. But there's, there's a lot of like communication books and NLP books that I really like, and authors that I really like that were written quite a while ago that just aren't audiobooks, Or they weren't, and they probably are now. No, they're still not. Oh. I've ne- never been made in audiobooks yet. Wow, they're like... Some of the the Richard, Brand- the, the, the Richard Bandler ones are, and those are really good, um, but some of them are not. Interesting. We have them on our bookshelf oh, in our shared Quite a few office. of them. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's your... That's my like life-changing business book. What's your just number one... My number one business book that I think... Oh, this is so hard that business owners should read. I think everyone should read it, but it's uh, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. Absolute classic. Okay. Why did you love it? Classic. Um, for one, I just love him as an author. I think all of his books are great. And I think he really structures them in a way to understand. So Think and Grow Rich is about these like 13 principles that, and characteristics almost, that you can consume, develop, and live that way 
to have more of a, we'll call it like an abundance growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, it did a really good job of like putting things into categories and really understand like, okay, I'm really great at this one. I should really do more of this one. Okay. Give me an example. So, uh, one of them was, one of them is organized planning Mm -hmm. and something I'm really good at. We did a whole thing on doing time blocking and time management. And, you know, people who are successful uh, use their time wisely. Um, Another one of them was mastermind. So like when I first read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, I wasn't necessarily in, I think I got it, what because I joined a mastermind group for my business. And the mastermind concept is essentially surrounding yourself with other people that are going to push you to grow. Mm-hmm. And that you're to like, you're there to learn from and learn with and also share your own knowledge with. Um, and I think that's something that non-entrepreneurs don't think about. Um, mainly because like your friends are just your friends and your friends are your friends because they've been your friends forever. Mm-hmm. Right. Where when you start owning a business and you want to find people to learn from in the business, you try to start making friends a lot more consciously mm-hmm. as a business owner. Like you want to be friends with all the other business owners that are doing really, really well. Yeah. And, lear- the average and, and, of the five. Yeah, and, yeah. and learning from them. Right. And And that's that whole concept to me is, I'm not saying that like my friends were terrible or anything like that. I mean, my friends are awesome, but I've been way more conscious around who I spend my time with. Mm-hmm. Right. And trying to get into those rooms with um, the masterminds, mm-hmm. I should say, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, 13 principles um, and huge impact. Okay. Um, what's another one that you. What's let's let me ask you let let's rephrase this question. Instead of a bouquet of flowers, what is the book that you brought to my door one day when we first started dating? Oh. Which Profit First? Was it mm-hmm. Profit First? Yeah, yeah. I was like, it was either Profit First or Average Sucks. Yeah, that was you we I think we were like full on dating when you Okay. When I actually, I don't think you gave me that copy. I think I just moved into your apartment and read it. Started reading it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because th- those two are on my list. I'm doing more than three books, but uh, Profit First, I think, is great, but it's a very business owner book. Mm-hmm. And as long as I own my business until I read Profit First, I didn't really know how to manage my money and how to manage my cash flow. Mm-hmm. And Profit First gives you a really easy to implement system especially if you're in that starter business on how to allocate your income as it comes in. It's basically built on the principle of- The envelope system. Yeah, essentially buckets or the envelope system of, um, I mean, I was kind of raised to profit first because my parents were like, if you wanted this, you needed to- Yeah, but profit first is also very clear on like how you should- what buckets you should be, create, mm-hmm. what percentage-ish those buckets should be, 
But right, you have like operating expenses, you have your income account, which is where all your money comes into, and then it gets divvied out to like operating expenses. And then you have your tax account, so you're always saving, putting tax money to the side so you don't actually spend it. 30%. Then there's the profit account, which is essentially like your business's savings account. And then you have your owner's draw to make sure that your owner gets paid, Mm -hmm. right? And profit first is called profit first to actually make sure that your company is making a profit first before spending it. It's built on the principle that not enough business owners actually make get paid or pay themselves, I should say. For sure. Um, I think it's it's easy once you once you hit that income level where you can file as an S corp where you then have to put yourself on a payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think business owners have this mindset of like, oh, you know, I've I'm, I've only been an entrepreneur for three years. I I haven't earned the right to pay myself yet, which is kind of. The book debunks, basically. For one, pay yourself from day one. Yeah. Like, you need to. Well, because you have expenses, and you are essentially an employee without the business, or without you, the business doesn't run, so you deserve to be, you know, able to pay your mortgage. Yeah. And I do think that there's a point in time where you need to flex the profit-first model. Like, you can add more buckets. Like, Mm -hmm. now my team is big enough that I have a payroll bucket. Yep, Um, same. I'm probably going to be creating a bucket for, like, big purchases. We have a bucket for client events. Yeah. And I do think at some point in time and in some business models um, that the profit first model can break due to scale and size. But typically at that point in time, you have like a part-time or full-time accountant or bookkeeper yeah, or you some-, you know, some sort of like ad hoc CFO service that helps you scale that side of your business. Well, and then that being said, everyone that's there is on payroll, including the owner. Cause yeah. you know, if you're scaled that large, you're, you're filing as an S corp, you have to be on payroll. I'm not there yet. Yeah. And your business is much larger than mine, arguably, at least people wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love profit first and it, you know, I had already read it, but thank you for the hard copy. Wow. That was sweet. That was sweet and kind of you. Um, but I do, I implement it as well. It's a big Keller Williams thing too. Gary Keller read it and then told all the leadership that it was amazing. So that's why we're married is basically because of the copy of Profit First. Yeah. Me, me and Gary, we click. <laughs> yeah. Barry, Gary, you know, it's all Our the names same. rhyme for a reason. <laughs> Absolutely. That's actually one of the leaders at my office did nickname you. Gary Keller, because, because you did show up at my door with a copy of profit first. Um, what's your next one? My next one is big money energy by Ryan Serhant, my friend and mentor. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of a book that's built on the premise of like fake it till you make it right. So if you want to be a luxury agent and you're showing up in sweatpants, you're not a luxury agent in the sense of your clients, your clients, the other agents, like you kind of need to exude the you you want to be in a few years. You're talking about the guy that shows up at open houses dressed as a pirate. Okay, that was one episode of Million Dollar Listing from years I ago. I saw that one. <laughs> the, the one you saw. <laughs> like, you've, met it, you've met him in person, and I don't think that he was dressed as a pirate. No, but I wish. Um, no, he... He, I'm, he might still own it. I, who knows? Um, but it's, it's just built on finances and energy and basically what you put out 
into the world and into being an entrepreneur is what you'll get back. So if you want to grow and succeed, you need to exude an energy level that is, you know, of growth and success. Is that like dress for the job you want, mm-hmm. not for the job that you have? Is that is that how that goes? Mm-hmm. I usually mess, the, I usually mess no, those up big good time. Job. Good job, honey. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, he talks a lot about just structuring your day and, you know, exercise and all, and all of the things I think that it's easy for busy to get in the way of. Um, because I think that people forget to take care of themselves first, which then impacts the energy that they put out in the world because they're exhausted and drained. And then that's the energy that you're now putting out in the world is that you're exhausted and drained. And who wants to hire somebody, whether it's a gym owner or a real estate agent or anything that is not, you know, full of energy and knows their shit and is dressed well. And Which stuff. I wonder if that's like a, I mean, I haven't been in business for long enough to know, especially in like the business world. But I feel like that every year you hear more and more about like, work on your health first. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a topic that you hear a lot of authors talk about. You go to like any business conference, there's usually someone talk, someone talks about like taking care of yourself, whether it's fitness or health mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. So you have that energy. Um, I'm wondering if it's always been like that. Like if I rewound like 20 or 30 years, if that was still a thing back then. Well, yeah. Cause look at, you know, what is it like Jack Lalonde, the juicer guy and Jack stuff? Lelaine. He Jack Lalane. He like swam across the ocean. Yeah. I mean, I think all those, those big Tony Robbins, every one of them is in good shape and they clearly prioritize themselves. I think it's the people that. Jeff Bezos is jacked. Yeah. My dad actually ate dinner next to him at a restaurant in Uruguay. Right. Yeah, he, he's he's vouched. He's not just jacked in pictures. He's jacked in, pers- in person. They're both bald too, right? <laughs> they are both bald. Yes. Did they bond over that. Uh, you I'm know, getting I, there. I don't think I don't think Jeff Bezos' hairline came up in conversation. No. It was more of just a. Especially you've never met my dad because he's passed away. But my my dad was a man of few words, and it would have been, oh, hey, man. My name's Bill. How are you? That's how that conversation would have gone. Oh, you're you're the bookstore guy. <laughs> yeah. No, my dad would have, my dad definitely was like, hey, it's it's Jeff Bezos. Um but yeah, I don't think they're the hairline. But my dad did say he's jacked. Um but I, I think you can't have the energy to run a business because when you're running a business and you're not taking care of yourself, how the hell are you able to take care of the business and those that the business expected is expected to take care of? And then on top of that, your your family and right. social Nobody energy yeah. and all of that. Nobody wins. And not even just to say like business owners, but anyone who works with people. Like if you're on a team or you have a team, mm-hmm. you're the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, yeah. It or even if you have a nine to five, like if you're sitting, you hate your job and you're miserable and it sucks the energy out of, you're taking that home. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but his the mindset is it's just more of a mindset book. That's just like, hey, if this is what you want to your life to look like in the future, you need to start leading with that level of energy today. I like it. Yeah. What's your next one? We'll go with. A two for one. A two for. Well, Robert um, Cialdini, influence as well as his book Persuasion. Okay, tell me more. Haven't read either of them. Uh, they're all about just influence and persuasion. 
I mean, the names kind of... That's the names. Yeah. Um, but he is a college professor at ASU, so it's all backed by research and studies and like social experiments, essentially. And he talks a lot about um, different ways that you can use language and communication. So, you know, words, tonality, body language to be a more persuasive as well as a more influential person. Okay. And I think as a business owner or even as an employee, those are important skills, mm-hmm. right? Whether you're trying to influence and pers- persuade yourself, your team, you're trying to get someone to purchase your product or your service. You're trying tr- to get a toddler to eat their yeah. fruit. Trying to e- even trying to coach a class of kids or a class of adults. Like mm-hmm. how do you, as a coach, be more um, persuasive and influential? I like taking a, you know, a, a good example is a chiropractor or like a physical therapist, right? Mm-hmm. You go to their office for their service. They give you their hands-on service and then they normally give you exercises and stuff. Mm-hmm. How many people, when they just say, okay, here, do three sets of 10 of this every day. How many people actually go home and do that? But if they had like training on how to be more persuasive and um, influential and they had a way to communicate it where people actually would go home and do it, Mm -hmm. people would see better results, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's clearly a reason why. Um, And I think about that about any business, right? How do I use influence and persuasion to become a better jujitsu coach, Mm -hmm. right? Like persuade you and influence you that, hey, the move I'm teaching you actually works. Have the confidence to do it in your next role. Mm-hmm. versus like, oh, I don't know it well enough. I'm going to I'm gonna save it for three weeks from now mm-hmm. when you already forgot all the steps. Like, try it right away, right? So um, that was a big book for me. I like that one. A lot of golden eggs in there you can just take and implement right away. That's nice. It sounds like, you know, in, in any facet, facet of life. Yeah. Nice, nice. What's your next one? I should read those. Um, Ed Milet's power of one more. I've loved, I love it. I love, I'm a big Ed Milet. So you're telling me to read that for the longest time and I never read it. And I finally read it mm-hmm. and it's good. It touches like all, all aspects of not all, but a ton of aspects of life and business. Yeah. I mean, health again, health and fitness. Mm-hmm. He just talks about like, Hey, you know, it compounding interest essentially is the underlying premise of that one. Hence the one more. So if you're in business and you're, you know, my goal is to make five calls this week, make six. I mean, he's like, you did five, just do one more. If you, you know, call your mom once a week, call her one more time. Life is short. Um, so he just kind of has this, like, the power of one more and how just that minute little, like, addition of just one ad- adds up over the, you know, the course of your life, and then you end up seeing big results. It's kind of that, like, I always say to new agents that you'll get your first deal under contract and everyone will be like, oh, my God, you know, it, they start coming now. Like, once the first one comes, it's like, no, it's not just because you got one deal. It's because of all of the lead generation you did to lead to that one deal. Now you keep doing that 
And then that one more adds up to two transactions. And then that one more adds up to three transactions. So building upon, you know, your activities just by one more, one more sit up um, is his, is his premise. And we heard him speak when we were in, um, where were we? California, California this winter. Um, Great speaker. You can tell it was just like kind of off the cuff, but not. Um, just really emotional. He talks about, you know, just how short life is and just the power of one more kind of really makes you appreciate life and how it's not that hard to succeed either. I started doing that in the sauna. One more what? One more. One more minute. One more minute. I would try to get to the point where like my body's like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. And then I'd look at my watch and be like, okay, one more minute. Okay. Has it compounded? No, it's just still really hard. <laughs> no, it, it, it does get easier over time. It really just depends on what the sauna temperature is that day. I know that's true. I, I do that with cold showers, which is after I sauna. Although I did cold shower this morning. Because if you don't tell people publicly that you took a cold shower, did you take no, a cold shower? It doesn't count. Um, that I started, you know, I started getting out of the sauna at the gym and getting in, immediately into a cold shower for like two minutes. And then one day I would just give it a little longer and longer. Now my entire shower after I get out of the sauna is freezing. I also heard this cool superstitious concept, not superstitious, but like totally <laughs> fake about like when you're in the sauna and you just get that like real itch or maybe it's even cold and you're like, Oh, I got to get out of here. Yeah. It's actually like the bad things in your brain trying to get you to leave that environment so they can stay alive. So if you stay in there that extra minute, all the bad stuff dies. I, I wish that the people listening to this could see the way you are looking at me right now. It's totally true. <laughs> I'm terrified. And my husband's possessed. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> 100%. Okay. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I can get on board with that, honey. I, I'm not sure. Um, hey, I'm not a scientist. But I, I'm not going to say no because although – I have worked in science, you know, in medical research. I'm no longer. So maybe, maybe I'd like to see the research on that. I really would. Okay. Yeah. I'll find some. Okay. Yeah. Give it, give it. But, um, so I just really like that. It's just a simple, easy premise. The book is, you know, great. He talks about personal stories. Um, and it's just like a relatable approach to, I think that it's super well written and it's, it, it is very well written. And I think it's a good, um, rebuttal to the last like five to 10 years of hustle culture of like, you have to wake up at four to be successful. You have to, you know, grind for 12 know. hours. Ed Milet does have that message of like, he fits three days into one. Yes, but that's, a, that's. But he'll talk about like one of those days, as in he breaks his days into eight hour increment or four hour increments. One of those four hours is for like family. Yeah. It's not hustling, right? So he does it so he has more free time of yeah. just basically saying from your like 8 a.m. to noon, if you really pack that in, you then have two more days. So, so his premise is you've got three days actually in a day. And because, you know, I think I will be the first to tell you that if you give me a certain amount of time to do a task, I will take up that full amount of time. I think most people are that way. So his thought is, okay, we'll break up your, you know, I mean, the idea of one day being 24 hours is essentially a construct. So he says, break, destroy that construct, say that a day is actually four hours. And so when you wake up in the morning, you've got your like 
you know, so let's start our day at noon or at 8 a.m. You've got 8 a.m. to noon is a four-hour workday. So if you are efficient and you finish all your tasks in those four hours, then you've got 12 to 4. So now you've got, you know, a whole nother day of being productive. And then you have 4 to 8, which is, you know, family time, which I yeah. think a lot of people would be like, wow, if I didn't, if I was efficient between 8 to noon, you're telling me that I can like really turn off work from 4 to 8? And the answer is yes, according to Um I mean, I see that because when I go to the gym early in the morning, I feel like by the time I eat breakfast at 9 a.m., yeah. I'm like, wow. 100%. That felt like an entire day already. Like, I got so much done. And then I do my 8 to 4 or 5 mm-hmm. for my day job. And then I usually start the th- whatever the third section of my day is, whether mm-hmm. that's with you or going to the gym. It's like a whole nother section. Yeah. That's why I, with, um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on here, but I've been dealing with like post-COVID long-haul sickness for probably two years now. But before those two years, I used to be up at 5 a.m. And I was talking to um, my doctor recently about, I just want to get back to waking up at 5 a.m. naturally. Because it was was a natural wake-up time for me. And she's like digging deep into like, well, you know, is your self-worth validated by like you're hustling at 5 in the morning? And I was like, no, I just liked the idea of like having four hours of – doing things of mindfulness and being quiet and then, you know, catching up on emails from the night before and stuff before other people woke up. And just, it was just great. I, I just, just went to the good. gym the other day at like, when did I go at like two in the afternoon or something? Mm-hmm. And I hate, I was not a fan. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to work out and like I was getting text messages and emails. Mm-hmm. And of course I could like snooze my phone in which I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, I didn't, I, during the middle of my workout, I was like, I don't have to do this when I'm normally working out at five yeah. 30 in the morning. Cause no one's messaging me. Yeah. I loved, and you know, the, and the goal for me is to get my whatever blood levels, thyroid, all the junk back to normal. So I have that energy again to wake up because I love the idea of like finishing my first day by, you know, eight or nine in the morning. Yeah. It just it feels good. And then you're so accomplished before anyone has like interrupted your, your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe I should implement the book and just wake up one minute earlier every day and then see how I feel. And then I'll crash three days later because that's kind of the MO of my current physiology. But, yeah, what's uh, what's another one of your books? My last one, because we're trying to limit to three, and I even did two and a half so far. Uh, it, I'll go with Average Sucks by Michael Burnoff, my mentor. Okay. Um. And I mean, I did a lot of stuff with him before he wrote the book. Mm -hmm. So I got exposure to all of the book before the book came out. Just through through working with him and his concepts and how he frames stuff. That's like me and Sir Ant. And and how he communicates and stuff like that. But um, I would definitely recommend that book to anyone. And the whole average sucks thing is about... Uh, we get in our lives and we start creating our own average or complacency, mm-hmm. right? We get comfortable with where we're at. That's what, that's what it means. It's like being, it actually means being comfortable and where you are sucks, mm-hmm. right? It's the concept of year over year, you're probably going to make more in a predictive manner, 
right? Especially if you're yeah. a corporate job, right? Corporate job, 10% raise year over year. You're likely to get the same raise last year that you did this year. And even though you're growing, everything else is. So you're actually just creating an average. It's like, how do you break right. out of that average state or average growth and where you're at and being comfortable with it and really stepping into what you're capable of? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Which would take you back to Brene. You got to step into the vulnerability piece of things. Yeah. Which is, a, and that's a huge reason we actually gift this book to anyone who comes to our gym. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I'll, I'll change it up and I'll, I'll give different books. You know, sometimes it's like Atomic Habits or Indistractable mm-hmm. or, you know, stuff like that. But Average Sucks is a go-to book that people coming to jujitsu is a really great read for them because mm-hmm. they're looking for something to push them outside their comfort zone. I mean, same and with it, And it kind of like, yeah. and it like validates their choice to do it almost. Yeah, for sure. I don't think anybody that, you know, that signs up for martial arts in general, where there's a risk, there's, I mean, there's a large risk of getting injured wants to be average. Cause if you're willing to step outside of that comfort zone and take on that risk, you're, you know, you're not really average. Real estate is, I think the good agents really want, don't want to be average and are, and understand there's a comfort zone that they're stepping out of. Um, but there's a lot of agents. There's, I think, 25,000 less as of this year, as That's of wild. last year. Yeah. Market's hard. People are realizing it. That don't want to step out of a comfort zone. And they are the average agent that, you know, sells a few deals a year and whatever, which is great if that's your goal. Um, but if you want to make a real career out of it, you've got to constantly push yourself and 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 one-up your average every year. Yeah. So yeah, I think I don't think that one's available in an audiobook yet. But it is a really good read. It's quick too. It's not Yeah, it's a very easy read. It's maybe like 200 pages. Um Yeah, it's quick. What's your uh what's your last one? Well, I, I talked about my 3. BME, Brené, Power of One More. Um Gosh, I mean they were you know <sighs> I like 10x. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of that one. Um, just because it's like, I don't know. I, I don't like the business. I'm kind of over the business books that are like hustle hard, make it whatever. I think that now we've just entered a place where we understand that life is too short to like constantly be working and that really, what are you working for? Um, let me see. I'll go through my um the bonus books. Are you just scrolling your Audible? Right I now? am just scrolling my Audible. You know, another one, I loved The Baddest Bitch in the Room by Sophia Chang. She was the um uh, manager for Wu Tang Clan. It is an awesome memoir, but she really talks about having to overcome adversity to kind of get to where she was by, you know, by significantly. I listened to that one. Um great and she reads it herself too so i actually suggest some of these when they're read by the author especially when they've kind of are memoir based like sir hans or um that one that they're just good when they're read they're almost a little bit better um psychology of money is another one i would recommend sitting right in front of me actually by morgan Mm -hmm. housel 
um, that talks about like how your upbringing and your kind of experience in life impacts how you manage your money. Oh, look at Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, another yeah. book example of that. Yep. Psychology of Money, though, the only thing that bothered me about that book is that it's all white male money. They don't really talk about like anyone outside of that, uh, which I I would be more interested in learning, you know, like the psychology behind Oprah and like a billionaire black woman and how she yeah. got there. Um, but there's that. I mean, Indistractable is good. Um, the Four Agreements is a really great personal That's, development. Yeah. Have you read that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on our bookshelf. And then anything by Simon Sinek. Like, I mean, it's Simon Sinek. Do yeah. I need to say more? Daniel Coyle is another uh, great author, Talent Code. I think we should do another episode maybe of our other, our next three. Um, oh, honey, how could you have forgotten about Jocko? I was going to say all the all the Jocko books. Yeah. I've not read his um, historical novel. Oh, Like no. uh, Tailspin or something like that. Um, but his business, more business-based books, Extreme Ownership, Dichotomy of Leadership, great. Mm-hmm. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck was a good one. Uh, now we have to make this an explicit episode. Great. I swore in the beginning, honey. Mm. Just anything where I speak, it's Damn probably it. safe. <laughs> it's probably, you're safe. There's to, a ton. I, to yeah. that. We would almost yeah. have to like break down the books by like, what, what do you want to get out of a book? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. And uh, readers make leaders. It's true. Um, I'm currently, let's talk about current. Currently, I am in um, probably a third way through of Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Light. It is great. It's just a, it's not just, it's a memoir of his life, but he talks about how it's like red light, green light. Like this was a really great learning experience, green light. That, you know, this was a hard point in my life, but it green lighted X, Y, and Z kind of personal growth. Um, That so far, so good. Again, Audible, I would highly recommend it. He reads it. So you're listening to Matthew McConaughey, which, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I'd probably fall asleep. It's great. So soothing. Um, But we need to remember that, uh, another good quote, learners are losers. And the second half of it, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's like implementers are winners. I don't think, I feel like that doesn't have as... It doesn't rhyme. There's probably a rhyming version of it, but I I definitely am a believer of that in the book world. You know, a, a lot of people just read book after book after book after book after book and don't take the time to implement what they've learned in the book. Mm-hmm. Right? It, unless that's literally why you read is just to learn and not to use it, then go for it. But if you are a a business owner, take some time to reflect on what you read, why you read it, what your outcome of reading it was, and doing something with it. Yeah, I think that's actually a good a good thing to note is that I took a I was consuming a lot of these books like nonstop for a while, and then I took time off to actually start being like, okay, I've I've gotten my kind of personal development pieces in place. I understand how to you know profit first my business. I don't need to, now I'm reading more like memoir type growth books because there comes a point where it's like, you can read, and I'm not a 1X or I'm a, I'm a 1X uh, audible person. The people that are like, oh, it's great. You can read it at two and a half speed. I call bullshit. You're not actually absorbing enough because you can 
you know, you hear faster than you process. So if you're reading, like I know you're a 1.5Xer. Uh, um, depends on who's reading it. Sometimes it's 2X. Yeah. And Sometimes it's just there's, too, too slow for me. There's a few people that are like, oh, I just read it while my kids are in the car at 2X speed that they're never actually taking time to like really think and reflect on what they're hearing. And then it's like, I get that you've read all of these books, but your life looks exactly the same as it did five years ago. So are you implementing any of it? Um, yeah. So you can read all the books in the world, but unless you're actually like pushing yourself, you know, it's just for show. And a lot of authors now, like, you know, take Ed Milet, for example, they do, um, you know, their book and a podcast. So you kind of get double dose of Mm-hmm. of what they do without having to re-listen to it, right? Like mm-hmm. he he provides a very consistent message throughout. Um, it, and I think there are other learning attitudes, avenues to supplement that, right? Whether it's listening to that podcast or maybe even going on one of those um, like Spark Note apps that exist nowadays, oh, yeah. like the short book sort mm-hmm. of things on your phone. I do that a lot. Like I'll, I'll listen to a book in the short format, the five minute form mm-hmm. format before I commit to reading or listening to the 11 hour one sometimes, or yeah. even re-listening to that as a recap to it, just to be like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that idea. Yeah. I do go back to some of the books that I've, I've listened to or podcast episodes that I've listened yeah. to. Um, or if there's like guests on podcasts or, you know, people like Ed Milad or Ryan Serhant or Michael Burnoff that you can just search their names in like a podcast app and listen to a, you know, a newer episode just to kind of reflect or yeah, they're a guest on someone else's podcast. Refresh it just to, you know, kind of wake yourself up again as to why you, you know, why it helped kick you in the ass to be blunt. An explicit. I mean, part of it, uh, I'll go back to Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, subconscious mind, right? Uh, surround yourself with the the positive things you want to become. Mm-hmm. You know, listening to those positive audiobooks, the podcasts, turning off the, um, the super biased news and listening to, you know, more positive things. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And um, it, it does become a part of you, so... All right. Well, with that, I'm going to go enjoy this rainy day and uh, listen to Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to shoot one of these fire sauce packs in front of me. <laughs> There's Taco Bell packets on the oh on the table in front of him. Oh, and it says "Marry me, cute honey." Well, we're married. Um, yeah. Is uh, is this your way of asking to go to Taco Bell on our way to Costco? That's not. That's not part of the plan. That's not part of the plan, and that would do. We're both wearing. Glu- continuous glucose monitors right now because Perry and I are data nerds and we've conned our doctors into agreeing to give us more data. So not conned, it's we've just asked. Yeah. We were just curious. Um so I'm learning a lot. I am I am it's terrifying. Um All right, until then, maybe our next episode is uh health technologies. Oh, we have quite a few. The things. Um all right, well, I'm gonna head home. Till next time. Bye, babe. Bye.